want to talk to you about faith in Jesus Christ this morning. And what Christians teach about faith in Jesus is actually quite different than what many people in the world will tell you about faith. What, what many people say is this, that it doesn't matter what you believe in, as long as you believe sincerely, as long as you believe with, with all your heart, you can believe this religion or that idea, it just doesn't matter as long as, you, as long as you don't hurt anybody and as long as you're sincere about it. But I know that that is just not true. Not because I'm a great theologian, but because I'm an ice fisherman. There's a picture of me ice fishing last year. And this is, why, this is why I say that. Now, last year I took someone out ice fishing, had never been ice fishing in their life before, but had also never walked on ice ever in their life. And there was about a foot and a half, two feet of ice. You could drive a truck on it. It wasn't going anywhere. But my friend was walking like this, every step, fearful that it wasn't going to hold and they were going to crack through into the water. But there was no chance. He could jump up and down. The ice was not going to break. But my friend was very freaked out and very nervous about the whole thing. On the other end of the spectrum, it could be like this year. A very mild winter and not a lot of ice. And if you went out and you could be very sincere thinking that the ice will hold you, you could, have, you could put your entire faith in thin ice, but if it's not strong enough to hold a human body, it's not going to end well. It could go like it did for the, the men who fell through on Field Pond right here in Andover this year, and they all survived, thank God, but I am prone to think that they sincerely believe that the ice they were standing on could hold them, and it didn't. It, it doesn't matter how firm your faith is. What matters is how firm the ice you're standing on is. And in faith in Jesus Christ, it's, it's not, the important thing isn't how strong your faith is, but what your faith is put towards. Now, because of Easter and because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can have faith and put our faith in Jesus Christ. And today I want to consider that, and I want to consider what faith in Jesus Christ is like. And I want to give you three aspects of this faith, because many people think that they have faith in Jesus Christ, when in fact they may not actually have that faith. And if your faith doesn't have these sort of three characteristics, uh, perhaps you may have never truly come to faith in Jesus. And I want you to consider that this morning, three things. The first is that faith in Jesus is impossible. Secondly, faith in Jesus is humiliating. And thirdly, faith in Jesus is unsettling. Impossible, humiliating, and unsettling. That's what we're going to do this morning. Let's pray together as we approach this. If you would just bow your heads and, and close your eyes and as we pray here in silence. And actually, you may not even be a praying type of a person. But if it's not too weird for you, it just, if you would just silently where you are, just in your heart, pray something like this. God, I pray that you would speak to me right now. And God, if you speak to me, I pray that I would hear you and respond to you. Father God, I give this time to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, first thing, faith in Jesus is impossible. This is what I mean by that. We have a group of followers of Jesus. They were very close associates of Jesus. We have Mary Magdalene. Peter and John, who were disciples of Jesus, they had walked with Jesus, they had seen the miracles, and Jesus, over and over again in his ministry, he kept telling them that he was going to die, 
and that he was going to rise again after three days. He said it very explicitly. Look at some of these verses. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and after three days rise again. In the, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, uh, it was says, when they came together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. And they will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. So he's directly telling them. And even, he indirectly tells them as well. He said things, like in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, he said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. He said in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, he said, just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Directly and indirectly, he's telling them over and over he's going to die and rise again, so much so that even his enemies knew that he claimed this. Look at this verse. This is Matthew, chapter 27. The chief priests and the Pharisees, they went to Pilate, Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. That's why they were guarding the tomb. That's why they sealed the tomb. Because they knew there was this claim out there that Jesus was going to rise again. But here we are. On Easter morning, and his closest followers aren't even looking for a risen Jesus. If there was any hope, if, if you're watching a movie and you get almost to the end, and you say, yeah, you know, that guy's not going to make it. You just click it off. I'm not going to watch that. Or you're watching a football game, and it's the fourth quarter, and, and there's just a, a chance of a comeback. It's kind of a long shot, but you just turn it off. I don't care. I'm just going to walk away. We... There was no hope. They didn't believe. And they weren't looking for Jesus. Peter and John aren't even there. Mary's looking for a dead Jesus. She's, she's not looking to see the risen Jesus. She's looking to embalm. That's why when she sees the open tomb, she doesn't say, ta-da, he did it. She says, oh no, somebody stole the body. It's gone. They, and, and how could they not remember what Jesus had said? And here's my point. Real faith in Jesus is not something that you're capable of because these people walked with Jesus, they saw the miracles, they heard the promises, and they didn't believe. If they didn't believe, how possibly could you believe? How could I believe? We can't. It's impossible. Unless, unless the one who can do the impossible comes to you, and Jesus goes to Mary, and he reveals himself to her, and she has faith, and then he reveals himself to, to Peter and the disciples, and, and to many others who, who saw him, and then and came to faith. Faith, therefore, is a gift that only God can give. Therefore, faith is not a skill. It's not an art that you work on and develop in your life. Nor is faith courage. Faith isn't just doing something bold or something extreme for God. It, so faith, it, faith is a gift. It's not something that you can conjure up within yourself. But many people think that. They think that faith is something you can just turn on and turn off when you want. Maybe even sitting here today, you might think, oh, this is very inspiring. I like to see all these people who are people of faith and 
singing songs of faith, and I, I'm interested in this, I'm inspired, and I'd like that at some point. Maybe next year, maybe later, I, I too could become a person of faith, but you see that there's a belief there that you can just turn it on and off. But that's not how faith in Jesus works. What the Bible teaches is when you are inclined to faith, when you are inclined towards Jesus, that's actually God's work in you. That that is God calling you or God knocking on the door of your life. And, and we, we need to respond to that, to what he's doing in us. It's, it's the same as if, and again, this is the God of the universe knocking on the door of your life. And many people just say, ah, I'll, I'll answer it later. Think about it. If you were a man and you were at work in the morning and your wife is nine months pregnant, and the phone rings, and you see that she's calling you. You say, I'm kind of busy today. I'll get it later. Or you get an email message. We'd like to interview you for a very big promotion. And you read it and say, oh, I kind of like a big promotion. That might be nice. Eh, maybe later. Maybe in a few weeks. And that position is no longer there. When, when God is, is knocking on, on the door of your life, we, we, we need to respond. Faith, faith comes as, as Jesus is reaching out. So Mary is there, and she, she's distraught, and she thinks that Jesus, that the body's been stolen, and, and Jesus calls her by name. Jesus says, Mary. And she knows it. She knows that she is known by Jesus, and, and that her voice, her, her name has been called. And for people of faith, they know that that's happened. That they know that they are known and loved by Jesus and that he knows your name. For some people, it takes years to realize it. For other people, it's in an instant. But it's, it's unmistakable that you have been called to faith. And he breaks through the, he, he breaks through the barriers of, of fear and of guilt and of, of doubt and of insecurity. And, and Jesus breaks through and calls you by name. We're not capable of this unless God calls us. And so many times people say, well, some other time. Perhaps even this morning, God is just stirring something in you. He may be calling you by name. Maybe it's just a sense of, of his presence or his love. But will you respond to it this morning? Now, just as an aside, I, I say faith is impossible unless God breaks through. But when I say faith is impossible, I'm not saying faith is irrational. I'm not saying faith is unreasonable. In fact, God will often use our reason and our intellect through that to bring us faith. Think about Peter. The text that was read today says that he saw the strips of linen lying there. That was originally written in Greek, of course, and the word there isn't just to, to look at something, but to perceive or to observe, that he observed the linen lying there. And you can almost picture Peter, and again, in the Gospel of Luke, it says that he went away just wondering what had happened. He's, he's thinking about it critically. You get grave cloths there. Why are they in place? If Jesus had just gotten up and walked off, wouldn't he have torn them off himself? And if somebody stole the body, why would, why would they leave the grave cloths? And why are they still, how'd they get the body out and leave them in place? And if his disciples took the body, then wouldn't they have, why would they uncover and shame the body in that way? 
what's going on, and you can see him thinking about it. And for many people, they need to consider, is this true? Could it be? Is this faith real? And there are times as you critically consider and explore faith, you, you come to see that God is giving you faith through that. I want to invite you that we're going to, over the next couple of weeks, starting at North Andover campus next week and then the week to follow, a new sermon series in our church called I Believe. And we're going to just be exploring some of the key and foundational teachings and truths of, of Scripture and what do we believe as Christians? Why is it important? And we're going to just reground ourselves in these basic truths. And if you want to join us for that, I want to invite you to that. On this card that you got, you got one of these as you came in, You'll notice on the back, it's just a little tear-off section. If you, uh, that second box says, I'd like to start attending church regularly. If you want to join us for this, you can just fill that off, fill that out and just tear it off. Put that in the offering plate later, and I'd love to send you more information about what's going on at the church. But I, I believe that faith is truly a gift, that it's impossible apart from God giving it to you. But perhaps even today, God might be stirring in you. Second thing is that faith is humiliating. And what I mean by that is this. One of the reasons that these folks, these very close followers of Jesus, are not looking for him, even though he promised that he would rise again, one of the reasons they're not looking for him is that him dying and having to die and having to rise again did not fit their expectation of what they thought the Messiah would be or do. There was one very famous instance where the Apostle Peter Jesus was telling him he had to die, and Peter takes Jesus aside and kind of rebukes him and says, Lord, you know, may this not be. You shouldn't speak like this. It, it, didn't, it didn't fit what he thought Jesus should be doing, so he rebukes Jesus. Even in the text that was just read, that we have John who believes, that he believed, yet he still, verse 9, he, he didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. This was a necessary part of Jesus' mission and ministry, but they didn't, it, it didn't meet their expectation. So the question for us is, well, what were they expecting? What did they want? And I, I think they wanted exactly what people want today, and there were sort of two camps of people. There was one group who wanted the Messiah to be a great moral teacher. That the problem with the word, the world is that people strayed from God and they've gone their own way and they're disobedient in this moral decay of society. And if the Messiah could come and just show us God's way in this great moral path, people could live that and God's blessing and prosperity would flow to them and it would make Israel great again. And that it would, it would be this great way of life. And people who are immoral or lazy, they, they get punished. But... But those who can follow this new way can, can be blessed by God. But that Messiah can't die. If, if he's doing this great moral life, then suffering and death shouldn't be part of that. Shouldn't God's blessing flow from that? But they, so they were looking for a great moral teacher, but not one who would die. On the other end of the spectrum were those who were looking for the Messiah to be just an administer of social justice, that the problem with the world was that there were the powerful and they were the oppressors, and they were in, being unjust towards the marginalized and the weak. 
And, and we, they needed a Messiah to come and to, and to judge and to administer justice and to, to liberate and, and free the slaves and, and, and raise up the poor and the sick. But that Messiah needs to be strong. That Messiah can't suffer. That Messiah can't die. So either end of the spectrum, the, the, same, the same issue, this Messiah can't die. Now, the thing about Jesus is he was a great moral teacher. And he came to usher in a kingdom of justice and of liberation and of, of freedom. He, he, he did both those things, but his primary mission was to give his life as a ransom for men. His primary mission was to die. In either end of the spectrum, there was a, there was a false assumption. If I believe that the Messiah could be a great moral teacher, the assumption is, well, I can, if he just tells me how to follow God, I can actually do that. I'm strong enough. And the truth is, you're not. None of us can live up to God's standards. We all fall short of God's glory. And if I want the Messiah just to be a, a liberator and, and administer the social justice, the, the true belief of my heart is that injustice, injustice and oppression is something out there. And it fails to recognize that there is injustice in my own heart, that I, can, I, I contribute to, to the condition of the world, the broken condition of the world by my own sin. It's not just out there, it's in here. Neither side is willing to humble themselves and repent. And that's the key. We need to, that's why I say faith is humiliating. We need to admit uh, this whole thing starts where I fail. That I can't live up to it. I, I'm hopeless. And as Jesus taught, everybody who sins is a slave to sin, that I'm trapped. And, and, and I, I am hopeless. I cannot save myself. I don't just need a good teacher. I don't just need a liberator. I need a savior. Jesus is not just living an exemplary life or, or a leader. He is, he is my substitute. And that's what the cross is all about. That Jesus takes all my sin and all my failure. And he takes the punishment from it and the separation from God that it deserves. And he takes that on himself, on the cross. And he gives me his perfect record and all his righteousness. He makes this great exchange of his goodness for my sin, and he dies in my place. But when we humble ourselves, we receive his grace. We receive forgiveness. We receive new life in him. Not just a moral code, not a social system, but a substitute and a savior. So we need to humble ourselves and receive that. If you don't think you need that, then he cannot help you. We need to get to that point point. say, there is a debt I cannot pay. And that is humiliating. If you go out with someone and you have a nice meal and you say, oh, let me get this meal, and you reach, oh, I don't have my wallet. And someone says, hey, don't worry about it, I got it. I'll, I'll pay this for you. It's kind of embarrassing. But Jesus pays not some small thing for us. He gives his very life in our place. But we need to humble ourselves to find that. If, if, you, if you'd like to find that, and to know Jesus as your Savior, there's, a little, there's another little checkbox on this thing. It says, I'd like to talk to someone about how I can have faith. If you want to fill this out and put that in the plate, just check that off. 
if you check off, you'd like to talk to somebody about having faith, I'll personally contact you in the next couple weeks, and I would love to set up for you to talk to me or someone else about how you could have faith like this. But faith is impossible, but God breaks through and, and gives it as a gift. Faith is humiliating, but as we humble ourselves, it, look, and look at this verse, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. As we humble ourselves, his forgiveness and the freedom that comes with it in the new life raises us up as his children, as his people. That's, that's what this is about. But lastly, faith in Jesus is unsettling. Many people think that they have faith in Jesus. They're very favorable to Jesus. They, they have a good knowledge of, of who Jesus is, but they've never really experienced the changed life and the faith that just rocks us to the core and changes us from the inside out. For many people, their Christian religion is much more like Mary's faith as she visits the tomb. It's a very graveside kind of a faith. If you visit a tomb or a grave of a loved one, you can kneel before that grave, you can lay flowers, you can be silent, and you can pray. It's a very moving experience. It's a very seemingly spiritual experience as well. But it's not a living relationship. You may treasure the memories, but you're not asking that person to communicate with you and to walk with you and to be your source of joy and be your source of hope in, in this life and, and forever. You're not asking that person to walk with you through the troubles. Faith in Jesus is, is about a Christ who is risen and alive and active in our lives. That there's a, a relationship back and forth. It, Jesus comes to Mary and he calls her by name. And what does he do? He cling, she clings to him. She grabs him because he's alive. And he says, Mary, don't hold on to me like that. Now that I'm alive, I can go to my father. And this, is, this type of a relationship by my spirit is still possible with people, with you and with all people. And it's the kind of active power of God within us that changes us, that gives us great hope and gives us a purpose in life. And that's one of the biggest questions we get. When we meet people who are exploring faith and we, we ask, like we do at our Alpha course, we say, if you could ask God one question, what would that question be? And one of the most common questions is, if I could ask God any question, I would ask, what's my purpose? What's my meaning? And through faith in Jesus Christ, we find purpose and meaning, and it, it changes us. It, not just, it, we've been working on this as a church, that I could every day of my life and everything that I do is now changed. Not just when we gather, and not just when I'm praying or, or with studying scripture, but every moment of the day that God is with me, and the way that I view my neighbors, and the way that I view my coworkers, the way I view my family, my, my spouse, and my children is completely changed. I, I can now get my eyes off myself and, and get a sense of what is God inviting me to do and to be, to, to share his love with people around me. Everything changes. If you look at the lives of Jesus' disciples, as they come to faith, as they believe, they went from denying Jesus and hiding and being afraid, and now their lives are full of purpose and boldness, and now they're on the same streets, and they are proclaiming who Jesus is and what he's done. In the face of opposition, just great courage and boldness because their lives have new purpose. Your life, too, can have meaning and purpose. Every moment, you have a mission and a purpose. 
Are, do you have that kind of faith? Are you being changed? If you think about Easter one year ago, are you, are you being changed by God's Spirit? Are you more hopeful this year than last year? Are you kinder this year than last year? Are you more patient? Is God working these, building these things in you? And not to think about this past year and how good you are, how good you're doing, but how good is God to you? in the work that he's doing. And if it isn't changing you, then maybe you've never experienced it. One of the places in the life of our church where we explore this, what is God doing in you, and how is he changing you, and what is he calling you to, is we gather in groups we call small groups. They're just small groups of people that gather to search scripture, to pray together, and to consider, God, what are you calling us to be as your people? And there's a, if you want to check this little checkbox there, it says, I'd like to join a small group. We'd love to encourage you to come back, to connect, and we'll get information to you. We'll just put that in the But is God calling you to be unsettled today and changed today? Faith is impossible, yet God can do what is impossible and give it to you as a gift. Faith is humiliating, but as we humble ourselves, God lifts us up as his children and as his people. And faith is unsettling, but it gives us beautiful purpose and mission in this world. Do you want that this morning? Let us pray. As you bow your heads and as you close your eyes, if, if you in any way sense God calling you or knocking on your heart, would you just pray just silently where you are? Just pray this. Pray, God, I turn to you in faith right now. And I humble myself and I receive, by faith I receive what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and failure, and I receive by faith the forgiveness and the new life that comes through that, Lord. I, I pray that Jesus would be the Lord of my life and that it would change me, that it would unsettle me, that my life might have meaning and purpose in Him. And Lord, I pray that you would show that to me and that I would be obedient as you prompt in my heart. I humbly ask this, Lord. And Father, I pray for those who are praying these prayers here this morning that you would come and that you would renew and restore those who are turning to you in faith or returning to you in faith, Lord. And we thank you above all else for Easter because it changes everything and that our, our faith is now in something that is real and secure and strong. So we pray to you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ.